Good evening, everyone. It's good to have y'all here with us tonight. Make sure I was on. We're going to be in First Timothy chapter three tonight. First uh, Timothy chapter three. Um, for those of you that I may have said, may have mentioned, I might speak on Israel tonight. That has changed. So. Sorry, I hope that's not why you came back. <laughs> uh, now we're going to talk about BB, because I was going to tell—I told her we're going to talk about her. So, <laughs> so God changed it, BB. It's, it's all about you now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, it's good to be here, and I didn't know how many we'd have here tonight, but we've got a good crowd here tonight. I appreciate all y'all coming back. You knew I was preaching, and you came back. I appreciate, now I know who loves me the most. Right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I know there's... I'm glad that... I'm glad we had some, uh, several that went out to support Callie and, and Brody, because I know they're... I know they, they need the Lord in their life, and a good way for the Lord to be evident in their life is their church, supporting them and, and being there with them. So I'm, I'm glad for those that were able to go, and I'm glad that I hope that they feel the love of the church through those that were able to attend. But we're, we're here tonight, and we're going to uh, speak on a, me- a message called, What Do You Want to Be Remembered For? What do you want to be remembered for? We were, uh, Paul wrote the book of First and Second Timothy. He wrote uh, quite a few books of the New Testament. And, and Paul here writing his last letters uh, here um, to Timothy, we'll see some things that he said about his life and, and the things that Paul would be remembered for. But next Sunday morning, is or next Sunday, is Reformation Sunday, and I just found that out today, to be honest with you. Uh, the day commemorating the heroic stand by uh, Martin Luther. On October the 31st in 1517, Luther posted his objections to the careless doctrines and lax morality in the Roman Catholic Church on the cathedral door in the little village of Wittenberg. He didn't realize what an impact that action would be, would make over time. And and few of us in here probably will be as famous as Martin Luther was. Uh, But we all underestimate the impact we'll make in this world. We all underestimate the impact that we can make in this world. We all sometimes, I think, just it's just it's just poor little Jason. He he's not going to make a huge impact. But we don't we underestimate the God that we serve and what He could do through each and every one of us if we would just allow Him to do so. And I think sometimes I think a lot of times, like how many of you? I mean, really, just think about it. I just ask this question. You don't have to raise your hand. But how many of you have ever thought, well, I'll never do something that big or whatever? Martin Luther probably thought, I'll never do anything that big, but he did, and he, it, was a, a great, it was a great act of um, obedience to God, what he did, and it really went against the Roman Catholic Church, really it did, and a lot of people were probably not too happy with him when he did it, but he did it because of what the Word of God said, and so... Our example in our lives, our example, our words, our actions, our attitude about life, our spiritual formation, it all casts a wider shadow than we even know. It really does. And, and, and what do we want to be remembered for? Uh, the, the Apostle Paul, like I said, wrote this letter here through Timothy, and he was awaiting execution. So he wrote his final letter to Timothy saying, But thou hast fully known my... And we'll fill in the blanks. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 
10 through 12, uh, Paul wrote, writing to Timothy, says this in chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. But thou hast fully known my doctrine. So here we go. Here's a list of things. But thou hast fully known my, first one's doctrine. Thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. And that testimony of the Lord. Here he is, uh, he's, being, he's fixing to be executed, and he says, the Lord's delivered me from all these things. He's fixing to be executed. He knows that his life is drawing to a ne- to the, near to an end, and he's, he's testifying that the Lord has delivered him through all these things. And um, it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this night. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. We thank you, Lord, for, for Paul and his writings. We thank you, Lord, for his example that we have to set before us to live a godly and Christian life. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to see some things tonight that may help us in our lives to, to maybe... Uh, be more aware of, of how we live our lives and, and be more aware of what we may be remembered for one day. And I pray that you'd help us to see through this word tonight and help us to understand and know exactly what you'd have us to know and learn tonight. We love you, dear God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Paul here, he, lists a, he makes a list of about eight things here that he says, you know these things about me and, and I want to um, maybe dig into those eight things a little bit deeper and just maybe some things that maybe we need to adjust in our lives and maybe think about those things before our time here on earth is done. So the first one he said was his doctrine. It says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. Uh, so we have to be careful uh, that we, we have to carefully follow the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to make sure that our, the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ is what we abide by. That's what we have to make sure that that's prevalent and well known by people that we come in contact with that we are going to follow the doctrine of Jesus Christ. That It's all about Him and not about us. It's all about what He's done for us. And it's not anything that we have done. It's all because of Him. And if we, people don't know that about us, then are we living correctly? Are we living in a correct state? Because if you're not living correctly, then guess what? You're living incorrectly. So Paul, he was very adamant about his doctrine. He spoke about it so many times just in First and Second Timothy. And I was just going to scan through here just real quick and just mention some of the verses that he had wrote about the doctrine. In First Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, it says, As I besought thee to... Abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. See, they were, he was talking about all these people that were coming in and they were trying to teach other things but Jesus Christ. And he said, I, want, I went there to make sure that they're teaching no other doctrine but the Lord Jesus Christ. So he made it very clear. I don't want nobody teaching anything and say they're followers of me and they're, they're not teaching Jesus Christ. Because that's the doctrine that, that Paul stands on. Uh, first, uh, in verse 10 of that same chapter, says, For whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for 
men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. So he's, 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 he's kind of harping on it here in chapter 1. He's like, listen, this is the, the doctrine of Jesus Christ is the truth. Any other doctrine is not sound doctrine. And any other doctrine that they're teaching is not going to fly and, and to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. God's not going to be happy with any other doctrine. Uh, chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, verse 1, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Does that not sound like the day that we live in? So that some, they're going to, they're going to, in latter times, they're going to depart from the faith. They're going to give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Does that not sound like today? Does that not sound like what people are following and, and putting their faith in today? I see there's just the, the, the outpouring of, of, of people that are supporting the terrorists that are attacking Israel. Even those people, it's, it's, it's like satanic. The, the number one battle that Israel has right now, I said I wasn't going to talk about Israel, but the number one battle that Israel's really facing right now is the, the attacks of Satan on Israel, God's people. That's their number one battle. And Satan's using Hamas and Hezbollah and, and Iran and all them to attack Israel. He's using them. Satan's using them. That's their number one battle is Satan. And that's what the and you see these people rioting in Washington D.C. and New York and there's another city in the United States who are rioting for the Palestinian people. I'm telling you what that's satanic right there. They're 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 murdering people, innocent people. They're murdering babies. They're murdering children over there in in Israel. And and they're blaming and they're trying to everybody's the world's turning against Israel because it's in a satanic attack on the world today. And you see people, see all the, I've seen video footage and pictures of all the people that are riding against Israel. There's a lot of people out there that are following spirits of the devil. They're following seducing spirits. They're following the doctrines of the devil. They're following what everybody's, what everybody's saying negative against God's people. They're, they're, they're following all those, the devil, the doctrines of the devil. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, a, it's a world that we live in today. And, and I like that, though. He says in latter times. You know, you say we're living in the last days, last days. <clears throat> you know, the last days is just an interesting fact. last days started when Jesus was crucified on the cross. I mean, we've been in the last days for over 2,000 years. But I, like, I notice that sometimes, though, you'll see where it says latter times. Latter times. You know what latter times means? That means the last of the last days. I mean, we're in, we're in the latter times, people. I don't, I, I didn't, that ain't where I was going at all. But anyway, <clears throat> interesting to see that, that Paul's telling us and warning us about these people that are coming in the latter days and the latter times. Um, in verse 6 of that same chapter, If thou put the brethren in re- remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. So he's telling him, he's going on to say, if you're teaching them the right doctrine, you're teaching them about Jesus, you're showing them about Jesus, he said, if you're doing these things, you'll be considered a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. Good doctrine. And then not the doctrine of devils, but good doctrine. Whereunto thou hast attained. So here, Paul, the doctrine, the doctrine, the doctrine. Make sure you're, you're, you're practicing the right doctrine in your life. 
just remember that, that if it's impossible to live correctly if you believe incorrectly. It's impossible to live a correct lifestyle. It's impossible to live for God and live incorrectly. It's kind of like what Josh was preaching about this morning. You don't, don't, don't hang out in Egypt because that's living incorrectly. Don't go out and hang out with the world. That's living incorrectly. Hang out with the Lord. Hang out with God. Follow His doctrine. Come back to Bethel is the, the message this morning that was, that I spoke about. Come back to Bethel and live with God. Be peaceable with, live peaceable with God. Live correct, a correct life with God. Anything else is against God. So if you want to have peace with God, live for God. Live the correct doctrine. Uh, verse 16, take heed unto thyselves and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So the doctrine, the doctrine, the doctrine. Uh, 517, uh, let elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. I think the doctrine was important to Paul. And I, I, I haven't even read, I've got four or five more where he talked about doctrine, just in First and Second Timothy. So he's telling Timothy, this is what I want to be known for. Number one thing that he wanted to be known for was that he, was, he put his faith in Jesus Christ, and that was the only doctrine that mattered to him. You know, Paul, he was, he was, um, he was a Jew. He was a Jewish guy that, that grew up under the teaching of Gamaliel, or I can't remember. I, I can't remember how exactly you say that. But he was one of them well-known Jewish teachers in that day. And, he was, and Paul... Paul, he was taught under him. I mean, it's like if you went and learned under this guy, this guy was like the, the highest of the, the Jewish teachers. It's like going to hear one of the best scholars in the world and taught, teaching them the Jewish religion. And, and Paul knew all the Jewish religions. He knew all the sacrifices. He knew all this stuff. And we know that on the road to Damascus, Jesus came down. A great light shone about him. He was going to kill and, 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 and put in prison Christians who believed in Jesus Christ. So he was going against Jesus Christ. He knows doctrine. He knows the wrong doctrine, and he knows the right doctrine. He was learned, he was taught under the wrong doctrine, but he grew up under the wrong doctrine. I'm telling you, he could have been one of the great scholars of the Jewish faith. He could have been, but he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and Jesus changed his life and gave him the correct, correct doctrine. And now he lived by the correct doctrine, wrote, wrote several books of the New Testament. I used to know the number off the top of my head, but he knew a lot of the, those, those books in the, in the New Testament wrote those books for us and for edifying the Christians, those that he persecuted, those that he killed, standing there while they stoned Stephen, and Stephen, he's, he's standing there holding the, the garments of the people that he gave the orders to, to stone Stephen. And now he's teaching those same Christians that Stephen was probably teaching and teaching them how to follow Jesus Christ. Ain't that amazing? I'm telling you, how many of us have, have used, used to be under the wrong doctrine, but now we're under the right doctrine? What do you want to be known for? What doctrine do you want to be known for? Do you want to be known for the doctrine you used to be under or the doctrine you, want, you are under now? I want them to be able to stay, say about me when I get to heaven. When I go to heaven, I want them to be able to say in my casket, He followed Jesus Christ. He believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. He preached the Word of Jesus Christ. He, he stayed with the, the doctrine. He preached sound doctrine. I want them to be able to say those things about me. What will they say about you? And I think about that a lot. 
I know Josh has mentioned it. A lot of times you, I believe he just mentioned it not too long ago. He said, I'm not going to stand up at a funeral and lie for somebody. You know, he might not have said it. That, don't, I'm, not, I'm not quoting him exactly, but he said, I'm not going to stand up at somebody's funeral. If there's no evidence that that person followed sound doctrine, I'm not going to stand up and say they followed sound doctrine. I mean, he, yeah, you've heard him say it several times. I just don't have the, I, they say they're saved, but I don't have the evidence that they were. What doctrine are you living in? Uh, that old saying, I know, I know Pete knows it. I, I, remember, I remember her talking about it. It must have been a t-shirt at one time. He said, live, so the, live, like, live so the preacher doesn't have to lie at your funeral. Live the way that you should be living so the preacher doesn't have to lie at your funeral. I can't remember exactly. You may have seen it before. But that's what Paul, he's, he's, he's making it clear to Timothy. You know my doctrine. You know what I believe. You know what... You know who I put my faith and trust in. So the most important thing about us is the doctrine we hold, the truths we believe, and the scriptures that we embrace. In a world of political correctness, we hold to the authority of the inspired scripture, the inspired word of God, and nothing can pry that from our hands. So, number two here. Um, but thou hast fully known my manner of life. My manner of life. We learn by watching others. And that's why, why God, I believe that's why God puts children in godly homes for godly parents to raise them up. I know that all children are raised in godly homes, but I'm saying I believe God, He puts children in homes so they can observe godly parents. And what I think about when you start thinking about children, I think about children a lot. I've got two myself, and and I'm the youth pastor too. I think about young people a lot. And I think about, ask ask yourself some questions and and see what the answers are. And what what one behavior of of yours would you most like your children or grandchildren to emulate or, or impersonate? So if you've got children, you've got grandchildren, what behavior of yours would you most like them to follow? What, what example do you want? What, of your, what part of your life, what behavior in your life would you want your children or grandchildren to follow? What one behavior are you ashamed of more than any other? Which one do you want your children to follow? Uh, which... Or how, how we answer these questions may say a lot about us and our lives. What is the one thing? I, I just ask those questions just for you to think about. What is that some behaviors that I don't... What are some of the behaviors in your life that you don't want uh, Jace to see? I called you out, Jace. <laughs> what, what, is the, what, are, what is something that you're ashamed of? You know, you know that. You, you know better than anybody else in here does about yourself i mean which what do you want your what is it what good about you do you want your children to do you know what i mean if the, they take after you and they they follow your example is it a good example is it are you leaving your kids better off than or your grandchildren better off than than they would be if they never knew you just think about those things 
These are things that just help us in our lives. He, he, t- he told Timothy, he said, you know, you know the manner of life that I lived. You know how I lived my life. You know the things that I've done. Um, number three, but thou hast fully known my purpose. My purpose. Uh, we're happiest when we're fulfilling the purposes for which we were made. We're happiest when we're doing what God, what, what God has purposed for our lives. Uh, if I went to, just say I went to the Lowe's today and bought me a mailbox, and, and, I, and I could take it home, set it on the kitchen counter, and put the bread in it, right? And I put a mailbox, I could probably set it over in the corner and, and put an umbrella in it, and they could hold my umbrella up, right? I could, uh, maybe I could bring it here tonight, we could uh, have the boys take up the offering with the mailbox, right? But the mailbox is designed to send and receive information, correct? Um, Paul was made to receive and proclaim the message of God. You and I have a purpose, and we're happiest when we're doing that for which we were made to do. Right? The mailbox is made for mail. It's not made for those other things. But that's what, just just for example, we we shouldn't be doing what God's, I shouldn't be doing what God's called Bryson to do. I shouldn't be doing what God's called any of you to do. You shouldn't be doing what I've been called to do unless God's called you to do that, right? But I'm just saying that, that we, are best, we are best served to be doing what God's purpose is for our lives. We are best serving the Lord. We are, we are probably happier when we're doing the things that the Lord wants us to do because that's our purpose. God's made us for a purpose, and we all have a purpose. We all, God has a plan for our lives, and we're best served when we're doing what God has purposed, in our, purposed us to do. Number four, um, but thou hast fully known my faith. Faith is the ability to trust God whatever the circumstances. Um, you, think about, you think about a scale, you know those old scales where put something on one side and the other side goes down or whatever. Think about the, a pair of scales and on one side is all your painful perplexities. In Paul's case, there was a long series of weights of things that he had, I mean, you think about his past and what he had done. I just said he was standing there where they merged Stephen. You think about all the uh, perplexities that he went through. You think about all the things that you have in your life that maybe you're ashamed of or, or whatever it may be. But on the other side of that scale are God's promises. And you just take one of God's promises, you put it on one side of the scale and it automatically, whew, you know what I'm saying? Because God's promises outweigh anything, anything that we've ever done. Any of our perplexities, any of our any of our sins, anything that we've ever done, God's goodness outweighs any of those. And it just, uh, you can see the scales tipped, tipped in your favor, but tipped in the favor of God. So immediately that whole contraption reverses all of a sudden. And one little divine promise weighs more than any of the problems, dangers, perplexities of our life. I'm glad of God's promises, aren't you? Um, so, uh, number, number five here. Um, but thou hast fully known my long-suffering. And a lot of times we have problems with some long-suffering. That means, <laughs> that means putting up with the imperfect circumstances without losing our temper. And I know I've talked about the Turner temper before. Anybody that knew my dad knew the Turner temper probably. He probably lost it at a time or two. 
And I feel like the Lord's really blessed me not to have that kind of a temper. I think the Lord's really helped me with that over the years. I think really God has used, has took that away from me. I, I used to be that way. I used to have that temper. But I think the Lord, and the Lord will help you with those things. It'll help you with the temper. I mean, I, I've, I've known, I've been here with April for 30 years, seems like. What was it, 30? Yep. Anyway, been about 30 years, 31, 31 years, me and April's been together. She's, she's seen the temper, but she can witness to the change in the man because of what God's done. She can see the temper is no longer, there's no more. I'm more long-suffering now. I'm not, I don't have the Turner temper that she so called it back when I had it. But she can see that, that, that sometimes, though, we're, we're going to be faced with situations. We're going to be fer- fa- we all have been. We've all been faced with circumstances in our lives, in our Christian lives, to where uh, we just, I'm just going to lose it, you know. I'm just going to lose it. I've heard, I'm just about, mm, just about to lose it, you know. And we just about lose our temper. But long-suffering means that we... We put up with those imperfect circumstances without losing our temper. And we, and we have to put up with some immature people without showing ir- irritation. I've, whew, I, work with, I work with the one guy that does not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is, I think he is the thorn in my flesh, just to say. And I have to put up with some stuff sometimes, you know. But I've talked to him before. I mean, it's just not a good situation. I won't go into all that, but sometimes you have to put up with people like that in the world without losing your temper, without being irritated, without, without losing your religion, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know. <laughs> Everybody's shaking their head. Yeah, I know. So we all have to be long-suffering. And, and Paul, no doubt Paul was long-suffering. Think about the things that Paul went through. I wish I'd have had it marked where I believe it's in the book of uh, never mind. It's in the book of the Bible. Uh, I want to say Corinthians, but anyway, he was talking about all the things that he endured: shipwreck, being beaten by the rods like three or four times, he had been striped. They'd beat him with, they'd striped his back, and all these things that he'd suffered. And I know, would you not? First time they hit me with a rod, I'd be wanting to lose my temper, wouldn't you? But Paul endured it for for Jesus Christ's sake. And you think about Jesus, open not his mouth, right? They beat him. There's our main example, Jesus. And he did not. It said he opened not his mouth. He gave his back, he gave his back to the smiters. And he opened not his mouth. Praise the Lord. Um, number six, we'll move, keep moving here. Uh, but thou hast fully known my charity or love. You've fully known our love. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. The Bible says this, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound, a sound mind. Uh, we, if we're not loving people, are we Christian people? I hope, I mean, I really do hope that, that people know that I'm a Christian because of the love that I have for people. 
I really do. I love, I love you all. You know, I, I don't get to say that much, but I love you all. I really do. I really do appreciate you all more than you appreciate me. I appreciate you. I know we said pastor's appreciation last week. I felt more appreciated than I deserve, but I appreciate you all more than you even appreciate me. And I'll just tell you what, I love you all. And, and I hope that people can say that, hey, I can tell he's a Christian because he loved people. Because he loved people. He loved being able to talk to people. He loved being able to worship with people and help people in any way he can. You know, I really haven't brought this up, but yesterday I was in a pretty bad car accident. I totaled my car yesterday. Um, it was my fault. It was my fault. I was, I was to blame. But I jumped out, and Sutton was with me. He was in the back seat, and he was, he was okay, and he's okay today. But the people that hit me, I was so worried about them. I was like, the love of God within me, I was so worried that I just messed them up pretty bad. Because it, it was not a good wreck, and it was my fault. I jumped out of there and was doing everything. I kind of left Sutton in the car because I knew he was safer in there than out on the road. And I went and jumped out there and tried to open the woman's door. I was making sure she was all right. And I, I apologized to them I don't know how many times. I just felt like I felt awful that I'd messed up their day. I just The love of God within me was telling, telling me to care for them people. And I was standing there, and this is not, I'm not bragging about myself. I'm just showing you. I just want you to know the love of God does some things sometimes. And, and I don't know what, why, what the purpose of this, this wreck was, really. But I was talking to the man. He was, he was a deacon, an ordained deacon of a church. And they had had some problems at their church. Their pastor had problems with their pastor. And I don't know if he really attends church right now. But I just wanted to show them the love of God. You know, I just felt so t- t- terrible about what I did. And I just wanted them to be able, the way that he talked about, his, he had a bad taste for pastors, and it just so happens I'm a pastor, I'm, I'm an assistant pastor here, and he has a bad taste, but maybe that was, maybe, you know, and I, not, 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 I don't want to say this because I'm not really bragging about myself, I'm not, give all praise and glory to God, but I was thinking, he's got a bad taste for pastors, I'm a pastor, and if I showed them the love of God the way that I should have, you know, maybe that's something that helps them think that not all pastors are bad. Or maybe not all, maybe, maybe they, because may, I asked him what church he went to, and he, then that's what he went into. Like, he don't go to church right now. So maybe that was a way of, of me being able to witness to them that, that the love of God is, is greater than anything any man can do to us, right? So I, I, I don't know why I said that, but just to know that even in hard times, even in difficult times, even when I could have been worried about, oh, I just totaled my car, or I could have even been worried about my four-year-old. I was. No, I don't say I wasn't, but he was fine. I knew he was fine. But I was just, you know, Lord put it in me to make sure I was taking care of the people that I just ruined their day. It was my fault. I ruined their day. And I just, in the love of God, maybe that's the reason why to show them the love of God because they needed to see the love of God. Maybe that was it, and I still wish it wouldn't happen. I still wish that I wouldn't have done that to them, but, but it, it's, it happened, and the Lord has a purpose for it, and maybe that was it. But we need to make sure we're showing the love of God in every circumstance. 
even in our even in our darkest hours, even even in bad times, even in bad days, people need to see the love of God. Even when things aren't going according to your plan and they're going according to God's plan, we still need to be able to show the love of God no matter what's going on in our lives. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, but thou hast fully known my um, persecutions, no, or perseverance, perseverance, patience. Sorry, patience, I skipped patience. Our perseverance, patience. Uh, there was a, there's, I don't know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of sports awards. I like, I like watching sports. And you see nowadays they got these perseverance awards they give out to people like football players that were injured and they overcome their injuries and came back and they persevered and, and they got an award for that. Well, I'd say out of all the things that Paul, Paul endured, I'd say he would have got a perseverance award if he lived in the day that we live in today. But he never succumbed to discouragement, and nor should we. Even when we get discouraged, even when things come against us, even when, when it seems like the world is against you, you never, you, never be, you never succumb to those discouragements. You never let those things get you down. Just persevere. Just be patient. God's working, working it out in your life. He's working out things in your life. And He will work out things in your life. He's promised to do so. Um, the last one. Uh, but thou hast fully known my persecutions and afflictions. I just do both those together. The apostle ended with, uh, with a quality that doesn't spring from, uh, spring from within, but from without persecution. He, had, he uh, was persecuted quite often. We've already kind of talked about it a little bit. And who could hate someone whose life was characterized by the, these first seven qualities that we read? How, who could hate somebody who, whose life was, uh, was all about the doctrine, had a wonderful manner of life, had purpose, had faith, had long-suffering, had love, had patience? Who, who could hate someone like that? And that's the answer to that question is uh, the first nine verses of this chapter. Let me read a little bit there. And First Timothy chapter three, the people that hate the people that are that are Christian people, the people that hate people that are long suffering, patient, loving, kind, the people that hate those people are these kind of people. This know also that in the last days, dangerous times, perilous or dangerous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontent, uh, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, for such, from such, turn away." For, for of this sort are they which creep into, the, into houses and lead captive uh, silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning and ever able to come to the knowledge of the truth. <clears throat> now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt mind reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, and theirs also was. So he's talking about these people that hate, hate Christians. Those people that hate Christians are, are described here. They're the people of the world, or worldly people. 
They are going to persecute us. They are. They will try to uh, afflict us. Uh, every step that they can. So there's two groups of people that serve as models for others. The first group is described in verses 1 through 9 that I read to you, and the other group is found in verses 10 through 12. And Paul said to Timothy, don't follow that first group. He's saying, carefully follow me. Trust him. Follow my example. And Paul says, follow my example because I follow after the doctrine. I follow after the, the man, you know, the manner of life that I live. You know my faith. You know my purpose. You know my long-suffering, my charity, my patience. You know the persecutions and afflictions that I faced. He said, if you're going to follow an example, follow my example. Because Paul knew that he was following the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the ultimate example. So we get a song ready tonight? I, <clears throat> I hope this has been a help to us to see maybe there's some things that we need to work on in our lives. This is not really the shouting type of message. This ain't really the, maybe the, maybe the message that you thought you were going to hear tonight. But this is a message that maybe helps us to uh, put ourselves under a magnifying glass and, and see whether, whether, we're doing, being, whether our lives are pleasing to the Lord. That's, that's ultimate goal, I hope. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, he was walking up Norwood Hill with a friend. And some distance ahead was a, a lamp lighter. You know, back in them days, they had to light the lamps with the, <laughs> the candle, that light the lamps. So anyway, Spurgeon watched until the old fellow had crossed over the top of the hill and was out of sight. And he turned to his friend and he said, I should like to think that when I've gone over the brow of the hill, I shall leave light shining behind me. He said, may we live our lives and build our churches with ever greater purpose and passion so that when we have crossed over the brow of the hill, we shall leave a long, long row of lights shining behind us so people can see the way, right? I thought that was interesting. Let's leave, the, leave light. Let, the light, let your light shine so bright before men that they, they see the light and they glorify God and they follow his way because his way is the right way. All right. Anybody, uh, so we sing the song, sorry.